0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm Paula Thomas, the founder and CEO of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today's episode is hosted by Charlie Hills, Managing Director of Mando Connect, a UK-based agency that uses smart data to create brilliant partnerships and rewards that really work. If you work in loyalty marketing, Make sure to join Let's Talk Loyalty every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday to learn the latest ideas from loyalty experts around the world. Capillary's loyalty solutions offer AI-powered next-generational technology, making them a catalyst for enabling meaningful human connections across the globe. The platform is deep and wide, yet flexible enough to meet the needs of any company looking to take its customer loyalty to new heights. Visit capillarytech.com now to see how they can transform your loyalty future.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 431 of Let's Talk Loyalty. I'm Charlie Hills, the Managing Director and Head of Strategy for Mando Connect, WPP's loyalty specialist partnerships and rewards agency. We have created a new white paper in partnership with YouGov that explores loyalty membership, appeal, and impact across 24 European markets. And I'm delighted to be hosting a series of podcasts with some of the experts featured in the paper to help our listeners better understand loyalty across Europe. Today, I am delighted to welcome Emre Polatkin of EPAM. Emra is taking the place today of Leon Huyben. They work together to provide the expert commentary on the Netherlands in the white paper. Emra is a versatile professional, skilled in CRM, loyalty, growth marketing, and experience design. With industry experience and expertise, Emra excels in building customer relationships, creating loyalty programs, driving business growth, and crafting engaging experiences. Their diverse background enables them to make a significant impact across industries. Today, we will be learning about Emra's favourite loyalty programmes, what the loyalty landscape looks like in the Netherlands, and which of the programmes to watch. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Hello, Emra. Welcome today. I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the Let's Talk Loyalty podcast.
2: Hello, Charlie. Thanks for having me.
1: It's so nice to have exciting guests. And I'm particularly excited today to talk about the Netherlands because it was such an interesting market um, in the research that we conducted. Um, But before we get into that insight um, on the Netherlands market, I wanted to start with Paula's favorite, favorite question that she asks all our Let's Talk loyalty guests. Tell us about your favorite program. What's What's your sort of number one?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me again. Um, as for the question, I think the, the one that I'm most excited about is, is the Starbucks, in my opinion, that, um, that holds the crown of the number one loyalty program uh, thanks to its uh, seamless earning of stars with every purchase and uh, an array of uh, personalized treats. Um, mobile ordering is just a convenience while climbing the tiers, unlocks exclusive perks, um, they also do very well in uh, what's uh, often neglected, in my opinion, in the, the loyalty programs, that is the partnerships, uh, which is actually what we're looking into nowadays from from EPAM side as well, bringing the, the um, different companies together and basically trying to increase the, um, the velocity of earning and earning points. Uh, what's also interesting about this program is that, as far as I could look up online, Is that they have partnered up with uh, DoorDash for faster delivery uh, and Delta Airlines to do just, as I explained, the the increase of uh, the velocity of earning and burning points. And what's interesting, again, is that uh, this program evidently holds more money than some of the banks in the world, which was reported to be around uh, $1.8 billion. So I guess that uh, speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, to think that a loyalty program can have more money in it than a bank and actually what they could do with that and what that might hold. Not to mention that the coffee is very nice too. I have very fond memories um, of Starbucks. You know, I remember going when it very, very first opened and being so excited that you could get a vanilla shot in a coffee. I thought that was, you know, revolutionary. That's that's so long ago where you think they've moved to now. Yeah, I think coffees are really... Um, interesting sector, actually, in loyalty. It's sort of exploded in the British market in the last few years. We've seen all the big kind of chains open up really interesting um, loyalty Mm -hmm. programs um, and doing really innovative things as well. And yeah, Starbucks is definitely at the forefront. Um,
2: The partnerships
1: angle is really interesting there, isn't it? Why do you think they're bringing those partnerships in? Like, what is it? Is it primarily about the earning velocity?
2: Well, what I've seen happening with uh, some of our clients is that they um, their progress um, comes to a, comes to a stop, and uh, that they need uh, basically new partners that they can onboard into their program to basically give different options to their to their customers, and this wide uh, array of options basically uh, enable the, the customers to, you know, spend more. Or, or burn more, you know. Yeah. Burning points is as, just as important that, as earning. Uh, so this, this, I guess, uh, this is a win-win for both the, the clients, uh, the, the customers, as well as uh, um, as well as the companies, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan, obviously, of brand partnerships, given what we do at Mando Connect as well in this space. And I do, I completely agree. I think that equal focus on the opportunities to earn and opportunities to burn. And then that variety and that new news that partners can bring into programs and, and new services is really key. We've just had um, the British Airways Executive Club, you know, they've just announced a big partnership, the Wine Flyer Club, you know, enabling their customers to burn points in, in really interesting ways on wine. And they've just launched a partnership with one of my favorite brands, Whispering Angel. So that's great. Mm. And they've really taken that partnership to town. You know, they've they've thought about it beyond a burn partnership. They've actually even got bars yeah. now. Um, I haven't been yet. I'm going to Bournemouth next week. I must be going through an airport soon. Um, but I'm dying to go and have a look at how they've activated that partnership. I think it, it's it's such an interesting thing about how those can become such big parts of programs. Um, yeah. What about your loyalty background? Like, How did you get into loyalty? That's another really interesting question that we like (laughs) to ask all our guests.
2: Yeah, I've been in the industry for maybe more than 10 years. um, And my expertise uh, lies in helping businesses develop and optimize their loyalty programs uh, in enhancing customer engagement, as well as the retention. Pretty much focused on um, understanding my clients' objectives, uh, business objectives, their, their audience, and the industry they're playing in. Um, Mixing all that, I try to recommend the most suitable loyalty strategies and structures. Um, I do well in analyzing data, customer behaviors, and the trends of the markets to design those initiatives that uh, align with my client's identity and uh, to basically resonate with their their customers. Um, I've got hands-on experience working uh, on a few uh, loyalty programs such as the My Tommy for Tommy Hilfiger, Echo Walks for Echo Shoes, and the community program of KitchenAid. And with EPAM, we're working uh, with even more uh, cool brands Uh, but I'll not get into that uh, because they're a work in progress.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to get you back on the podcast in a year and you can talk to us more about them. Um, That's interesting. I think that's such a a big trend that we're seeing in the industry at the moment that, you know, using technology to actually link brand appropriate behavior into loyalty, reward and engagement. I think we covered quite a lot of those programs um, within the paper that are really innovating in that space. We saw board riders at, at the loyalty summit, you know, trying to actually kind of reward for surfing as as well as purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you're seeing in more and more of the briefs coming through that you're looking at at EPAM? Uh,
2: Well, I would say so. Um, Again, with one of the clients that we're recently working on, um, we're trying to tap into people's uh, luxurious lifestyles with destination destination dining, adventures and everything. I think at the end of the day, it boils down to how uh, the, the the clients of mine or the companies can uh, connect themselves with the lifestyles of of these of these people, and to be to become more relevant uh, at the end of the day. So that's basically the trend that I'm seeing.
1: That's really nice. I think we're seeing that in the British market as well. So, it's interesting to see that that's a sort of a pan-European trend. Um, the white paper, obviously, and, and the, the Dutch market turned out to be one of the most interesting markets of the 24 that we um, that we looked at. I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear. You know, Tell us more about that white paper that, that you and Leon contributed to.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, we were very excited when you came uh, to us with this idea uh and uh, we became part of uh, part of the team uh, of specialists across the Europe right uh that put the white paper together i believe it's the first of its kind and uh it's something that's very much needed by the, the loyalty industry um that was developed by manda connect which is you and you uh, go to quantify <laughs> the membership appeal and the impact of loyalty programs across the board in 24 european markets um for when it comes to our role uh, in the community of experts, we basically were tasked with bringing the data uh, to life. Uh, there were about seven market experts and three loyalty programs featured in the um, original white papers, and we built uh, together with my colleague the snapshot on the on the Netherlands. Such a cool
1: market! I can't wait to get into talking about it more. But before we sort of get the, into that detail of that market, what stood out for you from the white paper? What were the sort of key things that, that you took from it? I know we had lots of calls discussing what was interesting mm-hmm. in the data before we put it all together. But but what stood out to you?
2: Basically, I uh, I also learned a lot from it. Um, uh, the, the, the biggest learning for me was how different markets can be uh, very different across uh, Europe. Um, they often think that Europe is one homogeneous uh, thing, but it's it's not, right? Uh, and it's very clear from the research that uh, that uh, the, the membership, the appeal, and the impact uh, can differ significantly across uh, across the markets. Uh, to give you to give you an example, um, we have Norway, who has a very uh, high membership appeal, which fluctuates around eighty five percent. While uh, in the Netherlands, unfortunately, it's uh, down to 59%. And um, what's also very surprising for me, uh, individually, I'm from Turkey, uh, we have the lowest of all uh, in Turkey, that's around 31%. So that just tells me uh, brands and businesses need to make sure that they um, take account of this variation, all these differences in culture, in behavior, and whatnot in planning their strategies and uh, basically optimization of their programs. So, uh, after all, this just taught me that one size doesn't fit all, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that was a really key takeout actually from the paper. Um, and actually, I think as we've learned and we've evolved the paper, we actually want to bring in more experts to bring in more of the markets to life. And Turkey is again a really interesting market. It's sitting down there in that lower end of engagement in Europe. But then actually, when I start to talk to Turkish experts and people who know that market really well, they all have that same element of surprise. Well, like, actually, what's happened in our market? And that's what I think is so interesting in the paper. You know, it's the beginning of the journey, we actually want to, you know, look at why and and the stories underneath. So, I'm looking forward to looking at the Turkish market, actually, as as we proceed. Of course.
2: (laughs) Even people uh, who claim uh, themselves as experts have a lot to learn from this research. So, I would very much uh, recommend everyone to have a look at it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what's been, I think, so fascinating about it. You know, the data and and I'm, you know, a complete loyalty nerd. So to me, it's great that we've now got these benchmarks established that that we can help to use for, for business cases and to understand what membership might look like across a kind of, you know, a European portfolio of markets. But definitely the stories and the case studies have been um the most my most favorite bit of it. So, what about um, the Netherlands? What does the loyalty landscape look like? You know, what is it? What stands out about the Dutch market versus sort of the other 23 markets that we looked at?
2: Yeah. yeah. I would say the Netherlands is, uh, is a fascinating loyalty market to be in. And uh, we got a great potential to do much more. Um, as it stands out, 59% of, of all are members of uh, loyalty programs. And 36% followed by uh, that is... Uh, thinking that loyalty programs are a great way to reward customers, um, and we have 28 people of 28 uh, percent of all saying that the membership uh, and the loyalty program makes uh, them more loyal. Uh, so these are all uh, very positive metrics in my opinion. But uh, of course, when you compare this with other markets in the in the report, you can actually see how much of an opportunity there is in the Netherlands to optimize our loyalty programs. Um, When you look at membership, it's quite close to the uh, European average, Uh, but we're lagging behind on the appeal and the impact of our loyalty programs. Uh, So actually, out of the 24 uh, markets of all uh, we have in the the research, Netherlands ranked 24th in the loyalty gauge score. That just means that um, the Netherlands is the least engaged loyalty market of all, driven by lower appeal and lower impact than in other markets. Um, when we looked at uh, the reason why, the potential reasons why, we concluded that the reason why we're lagging behind this um, is because we're too focused on the transactional programs. I mean, um, it's not a quite um, a fault of our own per se. It's also the, the people of Netherlands, they're quite uh, transactional driven. Uh, they're um, cost-conscious people, so it's no wonder that um, the companies have focused perhaps too much on the transactional side of things, but not so much on the emotional connection with the members. Um, we did highlight some of the good examples in the paper. Uh, all is welcome to look uh, look at that, and of course, there's clearly uh, more work to be done.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that stood out in those early conversations when we were having our expert calls. And actually, the markets that were lagging behind, you know, slightly across the 24 were the markets where actually it was very transactional value focused. And I remember Leon's outrage, but the Dutch, you know, we're so savvy, we're so engaged, we're so value driven and, and you know, great at coupons and making sure that we're getting the rewards. But but then to see actually where the appeal is, is done really, really well, it is in those programs that are hitting kind of the heartstrings as well as the wallets. Um, Yeah, it was fascinating to see that come out so strongly, actually, across the data. And the podcast that we recorded on Germany, we talked about this quite a lot as well, actually, obviously, the dominance of payback in that market, um, but also how those programmes are very transactional. And Nicole Wilhelm, who's the the German expert um, that we interviewed, talked about, you know, very much the need in the German market to build that emotional connection as well. Everyone's getting slightly competitive. The Irish (laughs) who sit at the top of of um, the loyalty gauge and the Polish are very pleased with themselves in positions one and two, um, sort of most engaged loyalty markets. I think everybody else is is trying to shift up to that way. Um, What other sort of trends do you see um, in the Netherlands? I know we pulled out a couple of of key sort of stories from the white paper, but what else are you seeing in the market?
2: Yeah, I guess um, what I can talk about uh, would be two different trends. One of which is uh, basically the increased focus on sustainability. Uh, we could talk about uh, two different uh, examples here. One of uh, one of them is EcoPrint, uh, aka EcoFriend. Um, that's the loyalty program of a Dutch uh, eco supermarket chain, EcoPlaza. Plaza. Um, this this program um, basically gives importance to the rise of the um, the sustainability, and that uh, with that it uh, gives its members the chance to save points for discounts and free products but also enables them to support and donate points to sustainable initiatives, which is which is something we're also trying to integrate into uh, the clients that we're working with uh, nowadays to give them more options to do good, uh, yeah. not only for themselves, but also for the world, right? Yeah. Um, I got another example on the sustainability, which is yet another supermarket, uh, Yumbo, uh, And the program is called Jumbo Extra. Um, what they're doing, with, which is very interesting to me, is adding the adding electric car charging stations to their stores, mm. and of course all powered by by solar energy. And the, the loyalty program is basically in close conjunction to that. So while members do their grocery shopping, they can charge their cars and collect uh, points while while charging. So I guess uh, that's uh, that's a very good. Yeah. Uh, extra benefit for the, the customers who are shopping day in, day out.
1: Yeah, that's um, a great integration of the loyalty brand, actually. And it feels very genuine and authentic, doesn't it? That that loyalty program is really in service of the master brand CSR activity there. That's a that's a really good example. I hope we see some more of that um, in Great Britain. Listen up, supermarkets, listen up, because <laughs> we've got electric chargers, you know, going in everywhere across, the, you know, the whole country at the moment. But I haven't as yet seen that level of integration in our market.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, in the Netherlands, we are quite uh, conscious of our environment. <laughs> more to come. Um, the, as far as uh, the second trend goes, um, we see the the rising focus on brand ambassadorship and the experience of the members. Um, we we, we I, I often see that in more smaller companies. To be honest, um, what they're trying to do is to give people an option. Uh, to become part of the brand itself by uh, providing stock options that are linked um, to the amount spent by by transaction. There's um, there's a company called Seabass that is a Dutch brand that uh, produces uh, ultraviolet swimwear for children, and uh, they have uh, introduced uh, what's called the Seabass Club, who is doing uh, that's uh, who is doing just as I explained uh, basically. Mm-hmm
1: that's a really nice example as well. And that real focus on member experience and bringing people into the program is, I think, something that we saw reflected across all 24 markets, actually, and particularly those brands that are really bringing those emotional um, connections to life as much as the transactional ones. We'll all have to um, have a look out for Seabass Club. It sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, what about yeah. the sort of the other programs in your country? You know, who would you sort of hold up as actually these are the best examples of, you know, loyalty programs activating retention and engagement strategies in the Netherlands? Who, who should we all be looking at?
2: Yeah. Um, there are, um, I would say, several notable programs uh, that uh, the Dutch customers love. Uh, first and foremost, um, I should mention Albert uh, bonus card. Um, what stands out is that uh, they personalize the discounts and cashback rewards uh, based on the shopping habits. Uh, Albert Heijn is actually a client of ours, so I know that they actually do that. Yeah, uh, It makes them uh, a hit among our regular shoppers. Um, what else is uh, uh The program is called Select, uh, which is one of the... Bold. Bold.com is uh, the, one of the large uh, online retailers in the Netherlands. Um, they offer members free delivery, early access to deals, exclusive promotions... Uh, making everything around Paul.com uh, more enticing. The program is very much like Amazon Prime, but of yep. course without the Prime media. But it's still good. <laughs> yes,
1: they're not making TV shows and movies yet. <laughs> Probably won't take them long to catch on. <laughs> Are there any other um, big programs as well that you'd call out? I know you have a couple of other favorites.
2: Yeah, we do have Heima. Um For those who don't know, hema is a Dutch uh, variety store known for its affordable prices. I think it's even in the name, I don't have a touch, uh, but uh, even they call themselves out by uh, having affordable prices for the products that are mostly made by themselves and for themselves. Um, They have this customer loyalty card and it's basically appreciated for its uh, simplicity, uh, for special discounts, birthday treats and the access to exclusive perks, uh, which in the end, creates a sense of belongingness for the for the loyal customers. It is interesting uh, that they have, when I talk to them, what they told me is that uh, they almost have everyone in the Netherlands in their database. Wow. Uh, yeah, through transactions, through their stores and online. Uh, it, it's definitely got a great potential to do more. Um, so all these programs, perhaps many more that I haven't mentioned here, Successfully capture the the hearts of Dutch consumers, enhancing their experience and uh, basically encouraging the long term loyalty.
1: And I think that's so key, isn't it? That focus on the long-term loyalty over the short-term sort of tactic. And I think as we're all, you know, in our cost of living crisis as well, the the role of loyalty programmes to drive that long-term engagement is becoming ever more important. And, you know, on a personal note, I absolutely love that shop. It's my favourite. We've got a few of them now um, in Great Britain as well. Not nearly so many as you've got in the Netherlands, but it's Mm -hmm. a brilliant shopping experience. And and the products are great. And I love how they then bring that to life in the programme itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. What are some of the most important lessons that you've learned about loyalty marketing? You've been in the industry a while. What would you like to share? What are your pearls of wisdom?
2: Yeah, uh what I learned uh, throughout the years was that um driving loyalty is is uh very different than driving repeat sales. I think we're always mixing mixing the two things uh and um we just have to acknowledge the fact that you know people may do business with you for variety of reasons that may have nothing to do with you. It could be about the, the, the timing. It could be about the price, how convenient it is. If you, if you take the the supermarket as an example, um, you may be loyal to Albert time but if Dirk is around the corner or Jumbo is around the corner, to me, that's more important. So that just goes to show uh, people may think differently when it comes to repeat sales, repeat transactions versus loyalty. I believe loyalty exists when a customer basically has to face inconvenience, and yet they remain to be your customer. So if I um, have to walk, I don't know, a couple of kilometers to get to my favorite supermarket Albert Einstein, then you may maybe consider me as a, as a loyal customer. Uh, think about all the people that wait in the line, right, to be one of the first to buy a new version of an iPhone. I would say these people are loyal. Or think about people who make a tattoo of uh, Harley Davidson to their body. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's ridiculous, right? It's not a rational, but yeah, quite an emotional state of business. Um, what I have to say, um, maybe not say. Uh, I would recommend um, our listeners to. Go and find the book of uh, Simon Sinek's Find Your Why, where he explains how companies that found their why can communicate effectively and attract and retain loyal customers.
1: Yeah, that's a great book and his content is is really inspirational I think on so many levels and I particularly like that idea that loyalty is more than a program. I think we would talk about loyalty beyond reason, you know, it's actually, you know, I love the brand, I care about the brand, the brand is a part of my lifestyle and and the loyalty program itself is is very much a part of that but but only a small part of it. I also really like the idea that you walk slightly further to get to mm-hmm. your, you know, your favorite supermarket over the most convenient one. We see a lot in the fuel sector actually people sort of driving past the most convenient sort of fill-up station a lot of that driven you know by the loyalty program and actually how much better value um, they get that's a really interesting um piece of insight there and a great book recommendation what (laughs) sort of resources do you rely on for your updates in the in the loyalty industry what are are you where are you looking
2: yeah except for the books of these marketing gurus um (laughs) yeah i Try to utilize a combination of uh, different valuable resources. Uh, of course, one of them uh, is uh, companies, research companies like uh, Forrester and Gartner, yep. who, time to time, provide in depth reports and analysis, uh, which in return offers basically key insights uh, about uh, the, the behavior of the customers and trends in loyalty. Uh, I do try to um, join LinkedIn groups um, that involve a lot of people like me. Uh, across the world who can bring in different uh, different um, point of views, different uh, elements, different ideas. Uh, it's just nice to engage with them. Uh, and of course, not to mention, I work with a group of highly intelligent people in my agency who always try to be um, one step ahead of the competition. I also get a lot out of my community at FROC. Uh, so these are the resources I look up to.
1: I think that's really nice. And actually, I think we've had that um, a lot from our guests, actually, the importance of the, the colleagues that we work with, but also our peers across the agency and and looking out to other markets and looking out to other programs. And I think one of the things I love about the loyalty industry is it's so connected. Um, and as we've, you know, we've come into this sort of new normal area, um, then actually the the rise of the video call, the rise of the podcast actually means it's so much easier for us all to connect, you know, across borders. Um, I think that's been been a, a really lovely part of it too. I'd, I'd echo, I think all those are great sources. Um, are there any, you know, from that community, from that insight that you've seen, are there any sort of big new ideas or innovations that you've spotted recently that you're particularly proud of or that you admire?
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing I was very surprised and uh, very impressed by uh, by using is, uh, is, is, is the synthetic personas. Um that's been very interesting in validating uh, the loyalty strategy that we put forward for our uh, clients. So how it works is uh, that we create simulated customer profiles that represent different segments of the target audience. I can then simulate their interactions so with the loyalty programs, with the to-be okay. loyalty program, and assess its potential impact. Um, these personas also enable me to test various scenarios, such as different reward structures, engagement tactics, and predict uh, predict how each segment would respond to the offering. So we analyze the result and the feedback from these personas. Um, we then refine the strategy, ensuring that it aligns with the diverse needs and preferences of the actual customers. Um, at the end of the day, we try and fine tune the loyalty program to maximize its its, its impact and drive customer engagement. Hopefully, leading up to a successful implementation. Having said that, uh, this uh, by no means should replace the actual customer interviews, surveys, and all that comes with the, the qualitative research. I just see this as an extra medium to get to the end goal of understanding uh, the customer, which is which I think is very important. We always try to uh, multiply qualitative understanding with quantitative and come, with, come up with a better understanding of, of our customers. Um, to give you an example of why sh- this shouldn't replace the, the actual process of customer understanding, um, we work with one of our clients in Saudi region uh, where we targeted high network individuals. So by, the, by their nature, these are very busy people during their day-to-day, and it's not always um, easy to get a hold of them. So we came up with this approach to basically minimize the time we need with actual individuals, but that's not going to prevent us from actually talking to a few of them in the process. So that um, I guess that's that's a good example of uh, how that could be uh, just an add-on to the to the processes that we're following already.
1: I think that's a really nice sort of tale of innovation but also application for the listeners isn't it it's so important that we understand and that we're using the new technology and, and data approaches to sort of test you know to, have to be able to run live tests with synthetic personas I think is probably something we would have dreamed of you know five ten mm-hmm. years ago and the fact that that's a reality is so great but that it is still important to bring that insight lens as well and that kind of that human mm-hmm. component to actually see what people think we do that a lot with the reward strategies um, that we develop as well and the reward port- portfolios that we put together in programs. Research, 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 refine, infer it from data, but there's nothing like a live test actually out there with sort of, you know, real people using and engaging to to understand where the real opportunities lie. People will surprise you sometimes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would recommend uh, the listeners to still proceed with caution, take the learnings with a pinch of salt and try to validate with actual customer interviews. Uh, But for those who want to start somewhere, maybe from their desk, they can can use it. There are great tools out there um, that they can uh, leverage.
1: Yeah, that's a fascinating application of technology. Um, It's been really interesting to talk to you today. I think we've covered some brilliant case studies, some brilliant themes, um, and a really useful overview of the Dutch market and the sort of programs that we should be looking at. However, I'm sure people are going to have more questions for you. So, if they want to reach Mm -hmm. out to you, how can they find you?
2: Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, once again, the name is uh, Emre Polatkan. Um, I was really happy to be here today. And um, thank you for having me, uh, it's, uh I'm quite excited to engage uh, even more meaningful discussions with people like yourselves and all people within the community.
1: Oh, likewise, I'm sure. I hope all our listeners do reach out and, you know, more questions about obviously the Dutch market, but your considerable expertise, you know, beyond just that one topic And we've covered yeah. today. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you and goodbye from Let's Talk Loyalty.
2: Goodbye.
0: The Australian Loyalty Association is proud to bring you the Asia-Pacific Loyalty Awards to celebrate excellence, innovation and best practice in the thriving loyalty industry active in the region. The awards have been split into 16 key categories and submissions will be judged by a panel of local experts. Early bird submissions close on the 5th of November, 2023. And the awards gala event will take place on the fourteenth of March, twenty twenty four, at the Glass House in Melbourne. Contact them at the Australian Loyalty Association.com for further information. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.